0: All right, right there in verse 7 is uh, where I get the title for the sermon this evening. It is, Thou Art the Man. Now, this phrase, Thou Art the Man, it, it encapsulates uh, hard preaching because David was angry at this man because he would steal a lamb, and but he would not for his own sin, which uh, that's what Nathan was sent there to, to preach at him. So hard preaching is for every Christian. Now, Brother Austin did a did a good job preaching about sin this this Sunday this Sunday night. So, I want to follow that thought and and speak on the subject of hard preaching. So, there there are different types of hard preaching. Uh, there's there's some that are just specific to, to sin. Some maybe like like adultery or drunkenness. Uh, there's also hard preaching about false doctrine. We know there's false doctrines that will be prevalent and it'll it'll mislead people. So, we need hard preaching to, to expose it. Also, false prophets or or a false religion that uh. That can also mislead people, so we need to, we need to expose it and, and call it out. But I think that the most important thing is to be balanced. We should we should be balanced, like uh, some will some will, uh, maybe only focused on one. Like they'll be focused like like we see here, David. He didn't want to acknowledge his own sin, but he was hardcore about that man over there. He he's evil. He needs to pay for stealing that lamb. So I think the best hard preaching is the one that hits you right between the eyes. So it hits you. The best one is the one that hits you, that preaches against, that preaches on you, that helps you to change, to so you to be a better person. Amen. Not uh, not the one for your neighbor. You know, we, we like to maybe, oh man, that was for him over there, that was for, for that guy, but not for me. Or you say, oh man, maybe you, you look around, say you watch around, Who, who's, who's shaking their head? I don't know what he's shaking. He's saying that man, but he was preaching right. at him. So some some people will get get that bad attitude. We should try to when we hear a sermon, make sure it's it's specific to you. Take 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 it to heart. Even if you're not committing it, because someone say, "Well, I'm not committing adultery. Why should, why should I worry about that?" If uh, if you don't know a verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall, because anybody can fall. So even though you're probably not committing adultery at this point, you should still take that take that admonition so that if you're one day tempted to do that, you'll, you'll you'll remember that. The the next verse after that, I'll read it for you. It says, "There has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted." Above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So if you are tempted, like there's no temptation that will take you that you'll say, oh, I have, I have no control. God, God makes a way. So there, there's always a way out. Also, don't don't just dismiss the rebuke. Like David, he didn't dismiss uh, Nathan. Like he accepted that rebuke, said, you know what, yeah, I, I committed that. Nathan said, "Thou art that man." He was the one that, that did that sin, and he 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 repented, and he fell down on his face, and he accepted it. So you you could some could dismiss uh, Brother Austin's sermon, say, "You know what? He's 20 years old. He he doesn't know anything. He's he's just a young man. We can't we can't take his advice." So that doesn't matter. If the advice is biblical, then then we take it. think because he's 20 years old doesn't change the fact that what he said was true. Now, a lot of what he said in the sermon about um, uh, fleeing the, the adulterous woman and having, having uh, safeguards and, and um, watching out for your life to so make sure you don't, you don't commit adultery, a lot of that stuff, my old pastor, he preached it. And he was old. He's probably three times the age of, of Austin. So Austin's got, he's got a good head on his shoulder. So hard preaching admonish us to, to lay aside sin. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Leave your ribbon there in uh, 2 Samuel 12. We're going to go back and forth between Hebrews 12 and uh, 2 Samuel Hebrews chapter twelve, beginning in verse one, it says, "Wherefore, seeing ye also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us." So, why do we need hard preaching? Because it's easy to sin. Sin is easy, and um, people may be enticed from the thrill of just committing a sin or breaking the law. So. It's it's something that people can get into pretty pretty easily. So we need hard preaching to expose it, to bring that to light, because we have a wicked society. There's the, the wickeder society gets the more of a chance there is for for a Christian, a a person called called out from God to, to fall into it. So we see uh, even pervading false doctrines. We need we need to be we need to be uh, uh, weary of that to to be sure we expose it so that people don't fall into them. Also. Uh, we have to admonish unto good works. So hard preaching can help us to to push us to make sure we're doing more good works because that's that's what we should be doing. Now sin sin will bring you down. It can also bring your family down, and if it brings the family down, it can also drag a church down. So it's it's something that we don't want. Now here in this verse it talks about running. It says, "Let us run with patience the race that is set before us." So when you when people run a race, we see athletes they they put all their their strength. For, to discipline themselves, to, to work hard for a corruptible crown. So you can look at an athlete and see how much time they put, how much money they spent to, to be to be the best they can be. Can't we do that same thing in, in, the, in the Christian life for Jesus Christ? He paid a, a very high price to pay for all of our sins. It's worth us, and it's worth it for us to be able to put that same effort into, into living a good life. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, uh, I'll read it for you. It says, Know ye not that they which run a race... Run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. So again, it's talking about running. It's a it's 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 a good thing to to run for your for your physical 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 state. But it's a it's a good analogy in comparison to the Christian life to be able to to put some effort into to to set some goals and to have, have a vision for for what you want your Christian life to be. I'll turn over to Philippians chapter three. In Philippians chapter 3, we'll be reading verse 13 and 14. This is another verse that uh, it uses that same analogy comparing the Christian life to running a race. Philippians 3 verse 13 and 14 reads, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus so just forgetting those things which are behind. Now, when you run a race, you don't look behind you. If you're, you're running track, you go straight forward to, to, to where you're where you're running. You also make sure you stay in your lane. You don't look from side to side, see what other people are doing. Because if you do that, you'll stumble. Wherever your eyes go, that's where you're going to go. So if you get out of your lane, it's uh, not good. But isn't that not true in the Christian life? So you can get people that'll that'll be racing and. Uh, they'll, they'll be looking at other people. Oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? Like everybody has their own race. We should all focus on, on our own Christian walk. And if, uh, if somebody gets ahead of you, because obviously if you're running, you can see peripherally if somebody's getting getting past you. In the Christian life too, everybody's on different levels. And if you see somebody that gets ahead of you, just do your best to just work harder. Try to be a better Christian. You see somebody excelling and in, in, in soul winning, excelling in Bible reading. Just use that as a motivation for you for you to get better, not to not to try to bring them down. Same thing if you if you get ahead, just keep going. And remember that people are looking at you. So you can go forward and be a better Christian and there'll be people behind you that'll look to you as an example. And if you trip and fall, then you might cause them to trip and fall. So again, if if they pass if they pass you, don't don't criticize them. So if somebody's doing something bad or don't don't criticize them, try to try to make them fall. Because if you try to like if you're in a race And you try to trip somebody to fall, try to cheat, you might fall yourself. So you're both out. So it's it's good for it's good for nobody. Now in a church, um, there's different talents. Everybody's got different things. Like uh, brother Aaron, he's uh, he's good at sharing the gospel with uh, young kids, uh, teenagers. So we'll be in the van, haul up in. How many did you get? Like ten. He's got a big group of kids. Now we we don't get jealous of him. It's it's good. He's he's got that talent. Not everybody has that has that poise to be able to be able to do that. So we we encourage. Everybody that does good things. We don't, we don't tear them down, which is, which is something that we compare the race to. So, when we're in a race, it's not tackle football. We're not out there just trying to tackle people and try to get people out of, out of the race. Now, hard preaching should drive us to Jesus. Uh, you should, are you there in uh, Hebrews 12? Go back to Hebrews 12, and verse number 2. So, hard preaching should drive us to Jesus. In verse 2 of Hebrews 12, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your mind. So again, we, we run a race. When you run a race, you have your focus on the finish line. You have the finish line, the prize. Our prize is Jesus we we want to be like Jesus. We don't look to other people to try to emulate somebody else. Our goal should be Jesus. When you compare yourself to other people, that's that's when uh, problems come. Because we can't, we're we're all different. We're all on different levels and we can't compare one to another. In Galatians 6, 9, the Bible reads, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. So David, we saw in 2 Samuel, he was one that wasn't having his eyes on the prize. He wasn't in the battle like he was supposed to. He lost sight of, uh, of the prize, and he, and he lost big. He lost, he lost pretty big. Now, in 2 Samuel 11, 1, I'll read it for you. It says, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon, and besieged Rabbah. But David still at Jerusalem. So David was a king. He was supposed to be out in battle. He was supposed to be working and uh, being with the people, but we see that he didn't do that. He stayed back. He wanted to, to relax. He wanted to have a good time. We saw that that actually caused him to, caused him to fall. In James 1, verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So there is a blessing to enduring temptation. Everybody's going to go through temptation. So just because you're tempted doesn't mean that uh, you're under some kind of chastisement or or God's punishing you. Everybody goes through temptation. But the thing is, you have to see that as an opportunity to to excel, to to earn a crown, to overcome it. Don't see it as something where you can uh, you can give into it. Now, hard preaching can prevent the chastening from God, so it can be preemptive. So like I said, even if you're not committing a sin. So it can be a preventive face-ripping to, to save you from being chastised by God. Because what would you rather be? Would you rather sit through a, a sermon that, that offends you, or would you rather get chastised by God and get, get punished? I'd rather get my face ripped than, than get punished by God. So if, if you know you're doing something wrong, just take it like a man. Don't, don't try to hide it like, like David did. He, he tried to go around it, but you can't hide anything from God. God can see everything. Even though there may be something you do in the secret, you think, Oh, nobody knows, God knows. There's nothing you can you can hide from me. You should be there in Hebrews twelve. In verse five, we're going to read through through verse nine. It says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation, which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with a son; for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, and not sons. Furthermore, we have had our fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? So chastisement is some good. If, if God loves, God loves us; He will chasten us. Just like we chasten our sons. We want them that we want them to be better. Now isn't it, uh, isn't it ironic how uh, people will say that oh, all Baptist churches are too mean, the, the pastor he's always yelling, he's always talking about sin, but then you look at uh, like we saw about the comparison to a race. Now think about a coach, like our coaches like nice and gentle and they, they whisper, that they don't get loud, right? No, they don't. They they yell, they get crazy. You see them running up and down the sidelines, screaming, yelling because they, they want you to be better. They want to motivate you. They want to push you. So how is that any different for for a Baptist church for preaching to getting loud to to urging you to to, to not sin? Hebrews 12:10 says, "For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness." So the same thing, a coach will get in your face, he'll he'll yell at you and try to get you to do something, you, you'll be screaming, you're you're feeling pain. Said no, just keep going, just keep going, keep pushing. So in the same way, God. Will, Chasten us, or push us to, to, to do better. That's what the church is for. That's what the preaching is for, to, to help us to, to be a better Christian. Now, chasing produces uh, produce some good. In verse 11, right there in Hebrews 12, we read, Now, no chastening, for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So what I want to talk about, I want to talk about Holy Ghost chastening. So what is that? What is Holy Ghost chastening? So when when you get chastened, when you you get rebuked by God, when when God punished or God uh, gets your attention, it's something like um I don't know if you ever been in a service and you are maybe maybe you just got in a fight with your wife and you go to church and the pastor preaches right about that like as if he knew the entire the entire thing. That's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. He didn't know that that that's what happened. It's just God put that in his heart. I've had that uh, multiple times. So that's that's something you can't get online. If you're on, if you're just watching online, you see a sermon. Oh man, I don't want to. You just keep scrolling, keep scrolling. But when you're in church, you have no choice. When you're in church, you get the whole the whole face ripping. So you may, uh, yeah, it's something that seems like Pastor knows your whole life. Maybe he has a mic at your house or your wife's texting him. That's how it feels like, but it's it's not. It's it's God. So going to church, that's a, that's a it's a it's awesome thing that you can get the full chastening of God when you come to church. You can't hide on the internet. Now, turn over to 2 Samuel, chapter 12. Now, in verse 8, it says, I gave, I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if it had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. So God told him, like, was that not enough that you had? He had, he had probably the best wives in all of Israel, and then he went and coveted another one. So God's telling him, I would have gave you more. So there was no reason for him to, to be ungrateful to, to, to just spit in God's face with what he did, which was it was grievous. In verse nine, it says, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in thy in His sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite. With the sword, and has taken his wife to be thy wife, and has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and has taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst this secretly but I will do this unto thee before all Israel and before the Sun so God would have given more there was no reason for him to to be ungrateful for what he had and isn't that ungrateful spirit something we see right here today in the United States you see all these people that, that are mad and adjustment uh, so they go and destroy neighborhoods destroy houses and it's it's a spirit of ungratefulness this this country has the best opportunities anybody can do whatever they want to here Everybody has. There's free school. You can go to school. You learn if you apply yourself. You can you can go to school. Jobs. There's plenty of jobs. There's many different things. And if there's not a good job, you can work yourself up. You can start your own business. You can do your own thing. So there's all these people with this ungrateful spirit. They have no idea what they're complaining about. They wanna they wanna knock down, destroy America. What what's better than America? What what other country would we run to? I was showing my wife. She didn't know who Floyd Mayweather was. He's a, a black boxer. He's got millions of dollars. And uh, where is that boxer in any other country? What other country has, has an African-American boxer that has millions of dollars and can go all over the world? Not Russia doesn't. Uh, China doesn't. So this, this country has, has opportunity for anybody. I was, not a, I was never a big fan of him. I was always rooting against him. But he's, he's the best. <laughs> now, there's, uh, there's, there's great blessings here in this country. Now, when it comes to what David did, it wasn't an accident. He didn't just stumble into sin. Like we hear about pastors well, that commit sin, that commit fornication, that, that they're perverted, they, they abuse children. Like nobody stumbles into that. That's nothing that just happens immediately, That just happens out of nowhere. The same thing with here. This wasn't an accident. Like David went upstairs and he saw Bathsheba. Bathsheba wasn't banging on his door trying to get in and break into his house. Like this was, this was planned. Like he went out there. That's how sin starts. You see something, you see it with your eyes. You gotta catch yourself. Everybody can fall into any temptation, but you gotta catch yourself and oh you know what this is wrong. But that's not what happened. David saw, and then he desired, so he, he wanted her. And then he sent after her. And then after they, they committed the sin, then he then he tried to try to cover it up, try to bring bring her husband in because she was pregnant, and then then he went and killed him. So he committed some some grievous sins. So this wasn't this wasn't something that just happens. Like somebody don't doesn't just fall fall and they like fall in the pool. If you're not walking around the pool, you're not going to fall in the pool. So if you put yourself in situations like that, don't 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 be surprised what happens. But uh, if uh, go to Hebrews chapter 12 if you're not there. So it was too late for David when uh, when he tried to repent. He repented, and uh, God did forgive him. But it was too late. It was it's kind of similar like we see here in Hebrews 12 with with Esau. He repented of the chastisement. But but it was but it was still coming. The punishment was still coming. Hebrews twelve verse sixteen and seventeen. Lest there be any fornication fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat stole his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tear with tears. So God can't forgive you, but there are sins that can ruin your life. They, they can hurt your family. They can hurt your testimony. So God can God can uh, God can heal you, but there's also consequences. So that's something that we should keep in mind when it comes to what you put yourself around, what what people you hang around, what situations you allow. Uh, Brother Austin brought up some good points as to how to safeguard your your marriage or family. Set um, set some some boundaries as to you're not out there alone with another woman. You're not just Constantly putting yourself in any any kind of questionable situation, those things are good and they're they're helpful and they're they're for a reason. People may make fun of you, saying oh, you're just uh, you're trying to be holier than thou, but it's, your marriage should be worth that. Your wife, your kids, you should think about that as opposed to other people's opinions. Who cares what people think? The world already hates us. Why should we care what they think? Now we need hard preaching to protect the testimony of God and the testimony of the church. Uh, turn over back to Second Samuel chapter 12. Now, one of the things that God brought up to to David in verse 14, it says, How be it because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So, he gave occasion to the enemies. The enemies had an opportunity to blaspheme because everybody knew the God of Israel. Everybody knew what he had done. Everybody knew how he saved Israel the tribe of Israel from all the different tribes. So what he did here by sinning against God, that gave opportunity for people to mock God, people to mock the nation of Israel say, you know what, his God couldn't keep them from, away from that sin. So here, this is a, this is a small community. So if, if someone in town here that went to church you had a bad reputation, like committing adultery, maybe stealing, or uh, they wouldn't pay whatever they owe, then when we go around soul winning, what would we hear? People would say, oh, that church. Uh, we, don't, we don't want to hear, but we don't want to hear you. So that, that would make the church look bad, and it would make God look bad. So that's why hard preaching is something that we need to, to be able to prevent and to stop any of that from happening. Now, David's punishment, it was uh, when, when Nathan told him that, that story, that, the parable, I guess you'd say, of the man that stole that sheep, he was mad because he knew that was wrong. And he, then the, the thing that he said should happen, he said that man should be killed and that he should be able to pay fourfold for what he did. Now, God could have gave him that punishment because he's the one he was talking about. But God spared him. In verse uh, verse 5, there in Second Samuel, it says, And David's anger was kindled against the man, and said unto Naaman, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Now in verse 13, it says, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. So God spared him. Even though what happened afterwards, like we read in the, the following chapters, what happened with his sons uh, and uh, Absalom, like it was just, like the whole kingdom kind of just went to went to shreds. Like it was just downhill after that. So God kept on punishing him. So that fourfold punishment that he wanted for that man, it's almost what happened to him. Fourfold punishment for his kingdom. Now in, in verse 10 it says, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. So that's something that happened. His sword, like his family was always arguing. They were always fighting. His, his All his sons were, were always fighting, killing each other, and and then his son rebelled, took the whole kingdom against, against him. So he suffered a lot. So even though God spared him from dying, those last years in his life are probably miserable. Seeing like on your, your later years, you hope to maybe see your grandkids grow up and kind of have fun. And we, we look forward to that. But if you see David, because of that grievous sin he did, he, he, could, he probably couldn't, couldn't enjoy any of that. The good thing that did happen to that was, was Solomon. That's also something that God, God can bring good out of bad. Uh, Turn over to Psalm chapter 51. In Psalm chapter 51, we see uh, David uh, repenting and remorsing over over what he did. And the the question may be asked, you know, did he lose his salvation? Because according to to the Catholic Church, the sins he committed were, were, uh, what's that word, Uh, mortal sins. They are actually mortal sins, so they were pretty grievous. So if he would have died, according to the Catholic Church, he would have went straight to hell. But we know that David was a man after God's own heart, and he was saved. Now, when when you're talking to someone on the subject of eternal security, and uh, whether sinning after you're saved, that will cause you to go to hell, David's a good example. And and here in Psalm 51, uh, it explains it. It says in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. So in the Old Testament, they, they weren't indwelt with the Holy Spirit like we are. That happened after, after Jesus' death. But it says here, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So he lost his joy. He was saved, but he was miserable because he knew what he did. He sinned against the nation, against his family, against God, and that can happen. Um, I like it when people, um, like you ask them, like, do you know you're going to go to heaven, or, or do you think you go to hell? Oh, hell is here on earth. We're, we're living in hell right now. That's a good segue to, to show them no, like That's a good point, but let me share the gospel, and then we'll explain. We'll get back to it, and I'll explain. We're saved, but if a saved person goes out and sins against God and, and does wicked things, God will punish you here on earth. It will be hell on earth here on earth. For uh, God's children that, that are that are sinning, but He will not throw His children into hell, which is a, is a good good example here with David. Now turn over to Proverbs chapter three. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read um, some verses I have here on correction and see uh, see what the Bible has to say about receiving correction. Now on your way to Proverbs chapter three, I'm going to read for you Job five seventeen. It says, "Behold, happy is the man whom God corrected." Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. So happy. Happiness comes from being chastised because we know that God loves us. We're a child of God if we're getting chastised. Now you're there in Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12 reads, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. So in Hebrews, the quote from, from Proverbs. Now go over to chapter 13. In uh, Psalms ninety four twelve it says, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teacheth them out of thy law. So we're blessed when we're chastened. It's a blessing to be chastened by God. Deuteronomy 8, 5, Thou shalt consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. There in Proverbs 13, it says, He that spareth his rod, hated his son, but he that loveth him, chasteth him. Bedtime, So we see that chastening, they're correcting with the rod. That's something that, that we do. Uh, when they're the better, when they're younger, the better, because um, they, they understand. It says, Chasten thy son, Proverbs 19:18. 18. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crime. Proverbs 23, 13. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. So we talked about a coach, you know, a coach goes and yells, and, and he tries to get... Get the attention of, the, of the, the players to get them to do good. Now I, I like to yell sometimes. My kids get mad all day, You're always yelling. Yelling is, uh, it's good to get, get attention. Now God yells at me through sermons. One of my sons, wow, oh, you're always yelling me. God, pastor yells at me whenever there's some hard sermons. Pastor yells at me. And uh, brother Mike, he used to be my boss. He yelled at me a couple times. Sometimes I yelled back, but just, just to mess with them. But so I've, been, I've been getting yelled at. My kids get mad because I yell at them, but I, I get yelled at too. Sometimes you do things that are dumb, and you deserve a yelling. Now, society has produced some weak, sensitive, sentimental men that they can't handle any yelling. You know, it's being sensitive, and oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta watch out for people's feelings. You can't hurt their feelings. Now, Pastor uh, John Dingman, he always talked about. He was always hard on his sons. Like he grew up, and his sons, was hard on them. He he, uh, he yelled at them, and he uh, he wanted them to be tough. He didn't want them to go out in society and be and be wimps. And uh, one of his sons actually went to the military, went to boot camp. And he talked about how he was. Uh, he would laugh like he. He said his drill sergeant wasn't as bad as his dad was, so he was already used to it. But he would laugh at the other guys who would, were losing their minds, crying in their dorm rooms because they couldn't handle the, the the drill sergeant yelling at them. So yelling isn't always bad. Like it's it's good to, to get attention and to just to learn to be tough because life isn't always easy. Now, you want to bless your children. It's just like God wants to bless us. Like. Like uh, your kids, maybe they like to go out to ice cream, they like burgers. You, you may want to wanna do good for them. But when they do bad, then it's like you, you, have, that, you have that option. You don't want to do it. So a father always wants to be a blessing. That's why you want the best for your kids. So you want to correct them. You want to chasten them because you want them to do good so you can bless them. A loving father always wants to bless us. Just like what God told David. He said, I would have given you more. So he was ungrateful. He did that wicked sin when God told him he would have given him whatever he wanted. So the same way, if if you're a loving father, your kids, you would give your kids whatever they want, but at the same time you want them to be good. You want to you want them to, to go the right way, to make the right choices. And that's why chastening is good. That's why we need hard preaching. We need your pastor to get up and to, to rebuke sin, any sin so that we can keep it out of the, out of the out of the house of God. Now turn back to Hebrews chapter twelve. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, we read, "Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord." So there is a need for peace, especially in the house of God. You know, there's different people, different personalities. Sometimes people clash, and but we should always want to follow peace. Like part of hard preaching is to, you know, get along. We need to get along. We may not always agree, see eye to eye on things, but as long as we keep the main thing, the main thing that that should be important. As long as the church goes forward, that's a glory to God, and it's a benefit to the neighborhood, a benefit to the families. The more we stay, we stay together. Verse 15 says, "Looking diligently, diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness bring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled." So bitterness is a is a sin that can uh, cause a lot of harm. It may cause um, cause harm between relationships, maybe your friend, you're, you're bitter towards them because you have disagreements, you're bitter towards your wife because because she did something that you didn't like, you're bitter towards your children because they didn't obey you, so that's that's not something good. Bitterness hurts you more than it hurts the person. So that's something that, that we need to, to remember to, to do away with it. Now verse 16 and 17 goes back to to, uh, to Esau. Now in 2 Samuel 12, 15, I'll read it for you. It says, Nathan departed out to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David. And it was very sick, and David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. So God chastened uh, David. He didn't have any peace. He he was praying, even though like he still prayed. But I don't understand why he prayed if if God told him to Nathan that the child was going to die. And after doing that whole sin, he still went out and tried to pray, and it was um it was pretty much a failure. Now turn over to. Turn over to Luke chapter 22. As you turn there to Luke chapter 22, I'm going to read for you uh, Luke 6, 66-68. John 6, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. You're there in Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And let me read for you Psalm 51, verse 13. It says, after, after David confessed his sin, it says, Then will I teach transgressor thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So these two verses, I remember uh, when I was younger, when I was at the at the Pentecostal church, that um, struggling with sin, and this church taught that if you were sinning, you would lose your salvation. And I was there when I was 17, so I would see um, young man come in and and get caught up with sin, and then fall out the of church. It was almost like a revolving door. You would see people coming in, people go, people coming in, people going, because they thought you could lose your salvation. So I came to a point. You know, what have, have I lost my salvation? You know, am, am I should I just go back to the world? Am I just, I'm just a sinner just like anybody else. But then I would see here with Peter, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So there's nobody else. There's, there's no going back. If you have put your faith in Christ, if you're saved, where else are you going to go? You have eternal life. And the same thing there, it says, so we go through trials and tribulations to help and strengthen each other. That's what he told uh, Peter. That Satan wants to sift you. Satan wanted wanted Peter to fall. Satan was trying to get a hold of Peter, and he said, "But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren." So hard preaching, yeah, I can get in your face, yeah, I can offend you because maybe you're, you're you're in some sin. But the purpose of it is to get you to to get right, to get you to to get back get back on track. And once you're on track, you can help others. Now we see there in uh, in Psalm 51. He said the same thing. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So there's, there's a purpose to it. So hard preaching isn't just something that, that's just trying to get in people's faces. Turn over to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. As you turn there, I'm going to read for you the last two verses of Hebrews chapter 12. We read, Wherefore we receive the kingdom, which cannot be moved. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Now our works will be tried by fire. In that, that chapter, you in verse 9. We read, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, a, a phrase saying that, I, that I've, I've kept the kept heart is, is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? I think about that sometimes, you know, trying to think of what, what your goals are, what you're focused on in life, to try to try to be focused on Christ. Now we see hard preaching; it, it confronts. We brought about Thou art the man. When you hear hard preaching, you should think of it as going straight to you. Don't try to deflect it off somebody else, or don't try to oh I only want to hear hard preaching when it when it's blasting somebody else's in. I only want to hear hard preaching when it's against some false prophet. Hard preaching should be for you, to make you better. You should hold it to your heart. Sometimes you just need a kick in the pants. You just need to be encouraged to, to do more good works. Like it says, our God is a consuming fire. Like, are your works gonna gonna make it through that fire? Are they gonna make it through that test? So we gotta make sure we, we stay balanced with uh, with hard preaching, so we can keep sin out of the church, and then we can we can restore people unto God that fall that fall into sin. So we should uh, don't be like David. Don't uh, make sure you confront your sin. Make sure you walk in the light. Don't be ashamed. And uh, if you fall get, get, get brothers to, to help you out and then you can help any, some other people I'm going to read for you John 1-7 and then uh, we'll close in prayer it Says, but if you walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin let's pray thank you Lord for um, this um, story we have here of what happened to David I know he sinned against you God and uh, we hope that we all learn from, from what he did that we won't repeat any of that I pray you help us to, to keep in mind our own lives, our own walk with Christ, and to, to try to be better for us, not to look at others and try to put other people down or try to deflect uh, things for other people. Lord, I pray you uh, help us as this church grows, that you may uh, get a spirit of unity here with us, that we will be able to help each other out and, and um, be a blessing to the community and go out and win souls for you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.